Today, we talk about information and how you think it's enhancing your life, but very likely it might be ruining your life. This is Zia Hassan, and you are listening to Gently Down the Stream, a personal development podcast. If you want to transform your life, be a more engaged parent, a more present spouse, if you are stuck in your career or in any part of your life, this show will teach you powerful ideas, habits, and skills so that you can focus on what's most important to you. Okay, I get that that opening was a bit dramatic, but just hear me out for a minute here. I'm a huge fan of the internet. I've been using the internet since I was in fourth grade, which for me was 1994. Most of my friends didn't use the internet until about three years later, three or four years later, honestly. Really, high school is where most of my friends started using it, so I was all alone in this big space called the internet, this big database of information. And since then, it's only grown and grown and grown. But consider my previous database of information, what I used to use before that, which was the library, the public library. Now let's take a, a big library, like the Library of Congress. How much data, how much information do you think is in the Library of Congress? Well, with a little bit of Googling, I found the answer to this question. It's about 15 terabytes of data. A terabyte is 1,000 gigabytes. And for reference, my phone can hold 128 gigabytes of data. So 15 terabytes is a lot of data, but it's not an insane amount of data. Now compare that to the amount of information that the internet contains uh, at last estimate. You ready for this? It's estimated that the internet contains about 40 zettabytes of data. 40 zettabytes of data or more. And just to be clear, a zettabyte is about 1,000 exabytes, and an exabyte is 1,000 petabytes, and a petabyte is 1,000 terabytes. Remember, there were 15 terabytes of data in the Library of Congress, and a terabyte is 1,000 gigabytes, and my phone contains about 128 gigabytes of data. So just think about that. Zettabytes, 40, 40 zettabytes or so compared to 15 terabytes of data. That's how much data is on the internet. And the crazy part is that in 2019, we were just at 4.4 zettabytes. So it's ballooned. And apparently the prediction is by 2025, just four years from now, we'll be at 175 zettabytes on the internet. That is just wacky, wacky stuff. And how much data do we consume every day? Well, you can check your phone records to see how much data you're consuming on a regular basis. And you can revel in the fact that the information you're taking in is more in a day than your ancestors, the hunters and the gatherers, took in maybe in their entire lives. I didn't look up the stats on that to verify, but it's very likely that there's some ancestor who in their entire lifetime took in less information than you have maybe in just this morning alone. So what did we spend our time doing back in the day if we weren't consuming information? 
Well, very likely we were either trying to survive or we were creating things. We were actually creating outputs for our imagination. It makes me think about a principle that I'd like to implement for my child when he is older, slightly older, and wants to watch TV, watch an iPad, interact with screens, which is this. Create more than you consume. Create more output than you are taking in. And make sure that what you're taking in is extremely high quality. Now, I don't practice what I preach when it comes to this all the time, because the things that I watch on the internet can sometimes be pretty silly and, and actually don't enhance my life in very many ways, other than maybe a quick laugh or a quick smile. And by no means is this principle a hard and fast rule, but if you try and abide by it, I think, you end up with more things that you leave behind, and you end up with less time wasted. People will sometimes ask me how I get a lot of stuff done. I'm one of those notorious productivity ninjas that seems to get a lot of stuff done. And the truth is, I, I'm, I waste time just like anybody else. But the difference is that I have learned over the last 10 to 15 years to control my information rather than letting my information control me. Now, when I say I've learned how to do that, I don't mean that I've mastered this process. I just mean that I'm better at it than I was 10 to 15 years ago. And I'm better at it simply because I'm fascinated by it. I've sort of been a geek about it. And this is what I mean when I say that information right now, it seems like it's enhancing your life. It seems like there's so much information that how could it not make your life better? But in many ways, it might be holding you back. Information overload is a real thing. And many people don't have the tools to manage it. And that's what I hope to start to talk about in this episode uh, and will probably be a recurring theme on this podcast. Consider the purpose of an inbox. An inbox is a place for incoming information. And when you think of an inbox, you very likely think of your email inbox. And that is an inbox that is, for many people, the place that they live in, the place that they work from, the place that is cluttered with thousands of emails. I'm curious to see if you, if you send me an Instagram message or tweet at me, Zia Sami on Twitter, how many messages are in your inbox right now? My guess is for many people, it's in the hundreds or maybe even in the thousands. And the question is, what are you going to do? To dig yourself out of that. Every day must feel like a struggle. Every day must be anxiety-inducing just to get to your desk and open your email client or your phone. So what you do with that inbox matters. The way that you process information matters. And information can come from various places. Information can come from people that you work with or work for, but information can also come from within. We call that an idea. Ideas can also come up. And what do you do with those? If they sit in your mental inbox for too long, well, for me, that becomes stressful as someone who creates things. If I have an idea but can't do anything with it, can't get it out of my head, it just kind of takes up space in my head and has to pay rent in order to stay there. You get emotional information too. And the emotional information is very similar. If you don't find a way to take it out of your mind, 
then it stays in your mind. One of my favorite philosophers slash productivity experts is a guy named David Allen. He wrote an incredible book called Getting Things Done that I recommend reading or at least skimming or at least finding some kind of cliff notes online to understand the idea. But he said in speeches before that your mind is for having ideas, not holding ideas. So the question is, where do you go with these ideas? Where do you put them in order for them to be eventually functional? Well, in the year 2006, I discovered a new app that had just come out. I was one of the first, I think, 100,000 users called Evernote. And Evernote was kind of a revelation for me because up until this point, to take notes on a computer, it was the same process as writing an essay. You fire up a word processor and you take your notes. The problem with this approach, though, is that a word processor is a task-specific app. It is meant to process words. It's meant to make words readable, to present them to uh, an audience of readers. But there are specific apps for taking notes, and Evernote was one of the first. There's a bunch of others that have followed, like OneNote from Microsoft is another one that is built for taking notes. It is not meant to process words, even though it does process words. It's really meant to take notes. And the big difference is in how the notes are organized. With a Word document, you have a folder of Word documents. You have to click File and then Open, and you got to save it. You can print it. But note-taking applications don't work that way. The way that they organize information, the way that they organize pieces of text is much different. When you open up Evernote, you actually see a gigantic list, which you can organize into folders, but you see a gigantic hierarchy of notes on the left-hand side. So everything is available to you. And the same thing goes for Evernote. Everything is available to you on one screen. You can access all of your notes in one place. You can organize them and tag them and move them. It's a very fluid system because you don't have to worry about presenting these notes to anybody. They can be messy. They can be all over the place. And at some point, I decided that Evernote was a little bit too fancy, and I actually started just taking my notes on plain text files. There are ways to make plain text documents very, very useful uh, using something called Markdown, which is a way of writing that allows you to kind of process the words as you go. If you've ever put little underscores outside of a word to make it italics or, or created headings using the, the pound symbol, uh, if you've ever done web development, you know about this. That is all something that Markdown can then take and turn into a, a document that looks a little bit more structured. So there are a whole bunch of apps that do this, like Ulysses is one that I spent a lot of time writing my last book in. Bear is another one that's really popular right now. So all of these note-taking applications, I've sort of gone in and out over the years and occasionally going into some paper notebooks to take my notes because that can be really, really useful too, using different colored pens, color coding, actually taking your hand and putting it on the paper and drawing uh, gives you a completely different feel than typing. It is slower, and I often find that paper is a really good way to come up with ideas when you have a lot of time to kill, when you feel like you're in an imaginative mood, when you want to take an afternoon and kind of watch clouds pass. Paper notebooks are a great way to go. But if you are in the middle of your workday and you're trying to capture the things that you're thinking of in a Da Vincian way, 
Da Vinci, of course, captured all of his thoughts. Any stray thought that would cross his mind, he would capture it and put it into some kind of note-taking system. And if you know Da Vinci, you know that he has volumes and volumes of these notebooks of his thoughts and ideas, many of which were never used and many of which never turned into anything that he ended up using. But he was quite a productive person, as many of you know. But so I've been going in and out of these different methods, not really landing on one that works for me. I'm still an Evernote user, but I mostly use it for its OCR capabilities, which means that I can put in a picture of something, a picture of some text, and then I can search for that text and it will find the picture that contains the text, even if that text is handwritten. That is very, very useful. Any documents that have to do with my house, I have in Evernote, so I can just search for a piece of text and regardless of what the note is titled, I'll get that picture to come up. So OCR is very, very useful. OneNote has that ability as well. But for actual note-taking, I have found that plain text files seem to be the best way to go. But it goes back to that same problem of Microsoft Word where you just have a folder of files and that's not easy to manage. So a few years ago, I discovered and actually made a YouTube video about an app called NVAlt. And NVAlt is a, a text editor but it's a really nimble text editor and allows you to see all your notes, kind of like Evernote style, in one place. And there's no hierarchy, there's no separate folders, it's all just one big list. And so I had a whole system of how I'd label these notes in order to identify them later. But that became cumbersome too because they're just plain text and plain text can be somewhat limiting. All this to say, I have recently become fascinated by some newer note-taking apps that have come out, apps like Notion. Notion is like this all-in-one tool where you can type your text file, but then in the middle of it, you can insert like a, a Kanban-style board where you can move different cards to see your tasks, and you can create a table right in the middle of your text note just by hitting the slash button, and you can do all these sort of fancy things. I tried that for a while and I thought this could be a really good way to go, but it was really overcomplicated and it was proprietary. So if Notion ever disappears, I won't have my data really. I'll have to export it and put it somewhere else. And then I found this app called Obsidian. And it made me realize that all these different note-taking apps, while they're very useful for taking notes and pretty functional, they don't work in the same way as my brain. That is to say, there's no real way to review these notes in a functional way. I would have to go back through all my old notes, hundreds of notes, in order to actually synthesize the information. I'd have to be kind of like a little detective and take time to do this. And, and for what? What use would that really be? When you think about taking notes, if you were taught how to take notes in school, you very likely realized quickly that you're, you take these notes and you're never going to look at them again. And they don't really reinforce information. I mean, some people think that they help you remember and retain things, but we don't need to retain things anymore. We have the internet. We have computers to remember things for us. And most people use those devices to have them remember things for us. They kind of use them as a second brain. And this is really where this app Obsidian has gotten me very excited. It's a note-taking app like any other. It's got a panel of notes on the left-hand side. The one thing that's special about it, though, is that you can write, you can create these notes one by one, small little notes, and you get this whole list, and you don't have to organize them. Because as you are writing, you can link out to other notes. 
So if I'm writing a note, say, about a movie that I'm watching, I like to take notes on the movies I'm watching, takeaways I get, or maybe I'm watching a YouTube video or listening to a podcast, and I take a couple notes, maybe in my writing, I end up writing about an idea, like, say, time travel. And I can select time travel in my note and hit one button, and now there's a new note about time travel that is linked to my other note about whatever movie I was watching. And then maybe in that time travel note, I link to something else. And so over time, you have these interconnected notes. And what Obsidian does is it shows you a visual graph, a visual spider web of the notes and how they connect to each other. You can also throw in tags with just regular hashtags like you might do on Twitter. And it will show you this graph of how everything connects. So now over time, and I've been doing this for the last four or five days, you can click on that graph and you can see the interconnectedness of these different notes. And a really great business person once told me that innovation is when you can take two separate ideas from two separate fields of thought and combine them in a new way. Innovation means creating something new. And that is the, the type of insight that you get by looking at this big spider web. You're able to see these connections between your thoughts. So the more notes you take, the more you put into the system, the more serendipitous it gets, the more uh, chance that you have of colliding with some random connection that spurs a new idea that you can then use to create something interesting. But all of us create something and this process has already sharpened the quality of my thoughts. Because now, when I have a stray thought, my instinct is put it in the system. Doesn't matter what the thought is, doesn't matter if you're never going to use it again, put it in the system and let the system figure out, via this graph feature, how the ideas are connected. Sometimes my brain figures out how thoughts are connected uh, naturally, just happens. It's kind of rare and I have to catch it happening for that connection to be made and for me to notice the connection being made. But now I have a computer acting as a second brain doing that for me. So this is just something that's been really exciting me lately is a new way of thinking and a new way to use computers to facilitate new ideas and innovation. And I'll keep you posted on how it goes, but for right now, it's got me really fired up and I'm excited to continue with that process. This system is very specific to me and the way that my brain works. There are other applications that other people swear by that work differently and seem to work better for how their brain works. So if you are interested in exploring that a little bit, I recommend reaching out to me because we can do some coaching around your systems and figure out one that works best for your brain. Hey there, thanks for sticking around till the end of the podcast. This is Zia Hassan, and this is my weekly podcast, Gently Down the Stream. If you don't know me, I am an educator, a trainer, and a coach. And this podcast and my coaching practice are for people who want to change their lives. This podcast is meant for teaching and for learning and for inspiration. But if you want to spend some time with me and focus on you and the wisdom that you have, you can book a coaching session with me at ziahassan.coach. And together we can figure out what your core values are, which is something that most people have not considered, have not actually dug into. Most people don't know what their core values are, or if they think they know them, they are sometimes wrong. We can navigate a dilemma in your life and figure out the next best step for you to take. And through small changes, 
you can have a big transformation. My podcast is all about what I value and stand for. But when you coach with me, we figure out what you value, what you stand for, what you believe, and what actions are necessary for you to take to live a life that is meaningful to you, to connect to the things that you want to connect with and say no to everything else. So if you're interested in booking a session with me, check out ziahassan.coach, and I will see you next Tuesday.